Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics, in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. Elizabeth Dutton. Zaren Burnett. Got a question for you, my friend. Mm-hmm. You know it's ridiculous. I do. Well, okay. want to hit me with it? Are you familiar with the Eduardo meme? No. Yeah, me neither. I had to look it up. It's like some, from some cartoon thing, and it starts, well, well, well. I don't know. I've mm. never seen it. I'm not familiar with it, but apparently all the kids. Are what is it? What kind of, is this a cartoon you said? Does yeah. It, does it look like anything that I would recognize? Like, no. Is it a person? Is it a dog? Is it a? It's from Know Your Meme says uh, it's refers to an audio clip from a 2010 Ed's World web series episode where Eduardo, peering over a fence at Ed, says, well, 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 and Ed sneers back, Eduardo. Okay. Well, whatever. All right. It doesn't matter. I don't care. Sure. Um, But you know who did care? No. Who? KFC Spain. No, not KFC Spain. Yeah. They... um, they came up with something that is inspired by the flavors of the Colonel's original chicken recipe. Uh-huh. It contains an aromatic infusion of notes like geranium, mandarin, pink pepper, and bergamot. I don't think any of those are in the original 11 secret spices and I don't and think herbs. there's any bergamot up in there. I would hope not. Okay, so anyway, this came to us, this tip-off came from photographer Christopher McTaggart. Mm-hmm. Uh, a rude dude. Thanks, Chris. Whose comment was, they were so focused on whether they could, they never stopped to ask if they should. <laughs> yes. And uh, Bloom's truth. what I'm talking about here is Eduardo, mm-hmm. except it's really Oduardo. Okay. E-A-U. Like Oud? Like E-A-U, like water. Oh, okay. D apostrophe uh-huh. Wardo. Oh, so, wow. So Oduardo. Wow. And um, let me read to the, you this from my favorite, Reddit. Okay. And this is in the Fragrance subreddit by Paca. <laughs> okay. I'm not sure if it's launched outside of Spain yet, but for less than four euro, I had to buy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
It's a unisex EDT. I don't know what that is. With, oh, eau de toilette. With notes inspired by in KFC's secret recipe. So, of course, it has pepper, but also geranium and mandarin. I haven't been able to find deeper information on this fragrance notes, but to me, it's a very masculine smell. And it goes on and on. So, basically... It, it's a perfume put out by KFC. KFC España. España. It's only available in Spain. And the bottle looks like a chicken leg. <laughs> like a fried chicken leg. I can't leg. believe you have not purchased this for me, Well, I Elizabeth. can't get it because it's in Spain. And it says, apparently, KFC created this whole character named Eduardo, mm-hmm. who is a piece of chicken that seems to be viral. <laughs> They're as lost as I am. <laughs> Last Christmas, Eduardo was made into a Christmas tree ornament. I a hope you enjoy it. A piece of chicken. Not a whole chicken. A piece of chicken. Okay. But I, from what I've found, that's not in the, in the meme. So, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think they've got moved really a far afield of the yeah, meme at this point. Yeah, but it's fried chicken perfume. Yeah, okay. And that it's is ridiculous. ridiculous. You, you got a second? Oh, yeah. All right, because I got one for you. Mm-hmm. And then I, this one is literally for you. Oh, it is? Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Well, you know how like, like they say, like, oh, I want to win the lottery, right? Like winning $10 million... Imagine if somebody did exactly that. They won $10 million. They had that rare stroke of good luck, and it mm-hmm. absolutely ruins their life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Today's stories are exhibits A, B, and C for why I never want to win the lottery. Oh, boy. This is Ridiculous Crime, a podcast about absurd and outrageous capers, heists, and cons. It's always 99% murder-free and 100% ridiculous. Cowabunga, dude. (laughs) Elizabeth, Uh the reason why this one is for you today is you play the lottery. Only when the the jackpot is over one billion with a B dollars. Yes, you're always coming into ridiculous crime HQ. And you're telling me about how the Powerball's up to one point five billion or whatever. Uh-huh. Did you get tickets? Will you go get more tickets? Did you get me tickets? And I'm like, what are you? You're always asking if I got tickets. And I'm like, I tell you every single time, I'm not going to win, so I don't play because I know. You can't win if you don't play. I, I've heard it. But also, I know I'm not going to win, so I don't play. You never know. Well, I, yeah. If I it's over $1 billion, come on. Okay, I'm going to think from now on after today's story, I'm going to start being more honest with you. I don't want to win. Someone's got to win it. Okay, well, if you won the lottery, like if you were like one of your, one of your uh-huh, Powerballs, uh-huh. what would you do with the money? Oh, my God. Well, first of all, you got to figure out, break it down. I would take the full payout, and then you you like, whatever, you lose, what is it, like— a huge chunk to, yeah, to, taxes. to taxes. So I think that if you're you're like at six hundred million, if you win the billions, sure, like that whatever. Sure. Let's just say you are. I'm not good at math, yeah. so I would like set myself up in terms mm-hmm. of like having money just for n- never having an emergency and not being able to pay okay, for so it. Okay, so you'd make a, you'd make a and I would set fire up. Fund yeah, I'd set up like my whole family and like mm-hmm. a couple of my friends. Now, how would you do this? Would you just gift them the money? No, I would set up a trust uh-huh. and then I would figure out some way to have a lawyer convince them that, you know, they've come into this money from some other reason. Oh, you wouldn't even tell them how no, they got the money? No, So you would just hold this secret for everybody? Mm-hmm, I'd and just, have... They would all be coming, everyone around you would be coming into... Suddenly they're sudden... coming into wealth. They have all these <laughs> distant relatives dying. <laughs> and, then, and then you still have millions left over. Mm-hmm. So it's like you find out that, like, I would just do little bits and pieces here and there. You find out that, like, some... 
uh, schools, they they can't afford the lunches. Boom, you got lunches for 30 years. Now, okay. like, you know, a lot of education stuff or like, I don't know. So you do like housing the, the Mackenzie uh, Bezos, totally. Mackenzie Scott, whatever. Uh, but she's just going out and granting hundreds of million dollars mm-hmm. to dance programs or whatnot. And like the one thing I wouldn't do is mm-hmm. buy a boat. Do you know that she Just has— Just burn the money if you ever want to buy a boat. She's dedicated herself to giving away all of her billions. I think she's got like $46 billion or something yeah. around there. She uh, made more billions than she could give away last year. Yeah. So she's she's having the billionaire's problem because yeah, right? I can't give it away fast enough. Right? You would need multiple lifetimes because yeah. that's how fast it accrues. Well, and that's, people don't understand how enormous a billion yes. is. Yes. How enormous a million is. Yes. But and like it's a thousand million. Exactly. Golly. Good job with the zeros. Oh, my God. I'm so okay. good at that. I got a new hypothetical for you. Mm-hmm. What if I just randomly decided I'm going to go buy some Powerball tickets and surprise Elizabeth? She'd never see this coming. And I'm going to get producer Dave some, too. And I give you guys lottery tickets at, like, the Ridiculous Crime Holiday Party. And you're like, whoa, look at that. I can't believe he did that. What a nice guy. You never see that coming. And then the next day, you found out that the ticket I gave you won. Uh-huh. Right? You won, like, tens of millions of dollars. Let's say $14 million. Okay. What would you do then? Well, I'd have to break you off some. Oh, so you would? Of course. Why? Because you, you gave it to me. Okay, like, sure. I just know. want to know. I, I'm new to this lottery. I never imagined winning, so I don't really think about these no, hypotheticals. No, like you were, the, you were the fairy that deposited it in okay. my life. So. How much would you break me off? I don't know. If I get 14? Yeah. And let's just ignore the whole tax issue. Sure. This is 14 after taxes. We'll keep it simple. I don't know. Two, three million? Oh, wow. Look at you. Yeah. Oh, that's You've like, earned it. Dude, that's more than 10%. Yeah, That's right. more than a finder's fee. I'm a good tipper. Yeah. You're... <laughs> <laughs> No, I really am. You really are. That is yeah. true. I, I've seen you. You are very generous, very kind, even when the service is not good. Yeah, I know, because they're having a bad day or something. I like that. They you tell yourself be... a story, yeah. <laughs> you need to be compensated for having a bad day. <laughs> Dude, honestly like that. <laughs> now, the lottery. We've covered this before. There was the local Pittsburgh celebrity who can... You know, uh, conspired to rig the Pennsylvania oh, lottery, right? Six, right. right? six, six. Yeah, we've gone over how the lottery began as a numbers game, and it was run by organized crime figures. And then the stakes went, "Hey, we want to get in on that action," and they made it <laughs> legal, right? So we're going to skip past the history of the lottery. Instead, we're going to talk about some winners. Mm. Yeah. As of August 9th, 2023, I have here before me a list of the ten largest lottery winners. Okay. You want to guess? How much money that one person has ever won in the lottery? And this is as of? August 9th, 2023. Okay. Because I think there was a California one, the one that I didn't win. Yeah. uh, That was over a billion. Was it the South Carolina one? A billion that just something? recently hit like a 1.5 or something. No, was that the is that the highest? That's my guess. One uh, one point no. two. The billion? last the the highest one is uh-huh. a Powerball winner. I'll uh-huh. give you a hint from 2022. Okay, and that's not the South Carolina single one. ticket. Winner was in California. Oh, I don't know. One point three billion. Two point zero four billion. What? I didn't know that. I didn't get in on yes. that one. Now, can you guess? I how- would have won it, but I didn't know about it. <laughs> can you guess how many of the top ten biggest lottery wins were won by more than one ticket? Uh, I don't know, like three. Once. Just happened Just once one. out of the top 10. Uh, it was a, wow. a $1.5 Powerball, three tickets, one from California, one from Florida, one from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Now, all the rest of this, them were single ticket winners. I'll just run down a couple of them. 1.58 Mega Millions, that was one ticket from Florida. 1.5 billion Mega Millions uh, from South Carolina, that was 2018. 1.35 billion Mega Millions, uh, that was 2023 from a ticket from Maine. And then 1.3 billion, 1.08 billion, 1.05 billion. 
million seven hundred sixty-eight million seven hundred fifty-eight million. That's the top ten. Mm-hmm. Okay, now just because it was one ticket, it doesn't mean that obviously that there was one winner. Sometimes you know offices will go in on right, tickets, right, right? And then they have to split. You ever worked in an office where they do that, where a bunch of people put in together on a lottery pool? No. No? No. You ever worked in an office that did anything like that, like you have organized gambling? Oh, we had um, the uh, March Madness thing. Sure. Okay. Now, how did that, uh, did you guys have a plan for how that worked out when people would split the winnings? Uh, no, but I won one year mm-hmm. and I won like a lot of money and mm-hmm. everyone was mad at me because I don't know anything about basketball <laughs> and I just picked based on the mascots or the team name, like okay. what I thought was cool. So nobody had helped you. Nobody could say, hey, no. give me my cut. No, and I won the whole thing. Nice. Boom. All right. Now, do you know how many lottery winners wind up worse off before than when they won the money? Can you take a guess on percentage? 99%. According to the National Endowment for Financial Education, 70% of lottery winners blow all of the money that they won in five years or less. See, the first thing you do is get a lawyer and then you establish a trust and you have the trust own the ticket. Right? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you can do that, but that's yeah, what I would uh, do. I will cover that later on. Like, I'll go through, oh, okay. through uh, how people decide to legitimize their So winnings. you get a lawyer, then you get an accountant, you have them sign mm-hmm. NDAs, and then you go for, I mean, the lawyer you don't worry about. But then, you know, you have them take care of it. Have the experts do it. Yes, exactly. You get yeah. yourself like a, I'm not sure if they have like a lottery winnings lawyer, but a lawyer who I'm can sure handle there's that someone who's, at this but, point, I'm but sure. But here's my thing. When you're talking about multiple people winning, mm-hmm. then how do you set up like yes. this? And I know there have been lawsuits and such oh, about yes. this. Oh, yes. Okay. So my first lottery tale for today, Elizabeth, we're going to go with the unexpected. What happens when a millionaire wins the lottery? Oh, man. You think they're good with money. They already have money. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we typically imagine that between the poor, the middle class, it's us who play the lottery, totally. you know, right? But the wealthy, they also like a little action. This was true of old Andrew, quote, Jack Whitaker. Now, Andrew Jack Whitaker, he won $315 million jackpot. Wow, good it was a job, Powerball Andy win. Jack. Yeah, big on you, Andy Jack. Now, he won on Christmas Day. Aww. How wild would that be, right? So you would feel special, Have I think. Have you seen that Hallmark movie? No, is there a Hallmark movie? No. About that? <laughs> it's a Christmas Day miracle <laughs> for right. a millionaire. A millionaire wins more millions. <laughs> so the year was 2002. An old Jack Whitaker, he lived in a place called Hurricane West Virginia. Oh, heavens. Yeah. And he was smart there's, about money, like I said. There's no uh, oceanfront uh, hurricane. <laughs> no, I wondered how they got the name Hurricane. I totally was like, okay. <laughs> Y'all just kind of having fun out there. It's a tribute to the boxer. Yeah, exactly. It's like Iceland and Greenland. We're like, we just came up with yeah, the name to fool people. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, so I don't know what we would be better, the lump sum payout or the annual payments for like 20 years or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what would you do, by the way? You said the annual. I'd do lump sum because I don't know how long it, I'm going right. to be here. Really? (laughs) I thought it was like, I get more money. I don't know. I looked into it. And I don't know. What if they go under? What do you mean? Like, what if the lottery goes under? The state goes under? Yeah. What if Mississippi, Florida? I don't know what's happening in this world. So (laughs) give me the money now and I run. I'm cashing out. Mm -hmm. Well, old uh, Jack Whitaker, he's like you. He took the lump sum payout. And now why? He planned to do the right and honorable thing. He planned to give the money away. He took $170.5 million. That was the lump sum payout. And he Mm -hmm. got to giving. Now, he told the New York Times... I'm getting really excited because of the good works I can do with this. Right. Now, remember, as I said, he was already a millionaire. So when he became an instant micro-celebrity for winning the Powerball and winning $315 million in West Virginia, he did a round of national morning show interviews. He let people know who he was, obviously. He put his Mm, face on it. Not a good idea. Bad move. He flew, by the way, his family's private plane to New York. 
Yes. Like he oh, he had, has a family private plane. Exactly. Okay, so after taxes, the dude gets, ends up getting $113 million. I had no idea. Do you see how fast this has dropped down? Yeah. Wait, what was his original? So $315 million wins, gets 171 time payout, 113 after taxes. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. So, so you win like a billion and you wind up with like $300 million. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> so let's say. Whatever. You know, it's, it's, it's more than I have. And anyway, what happened to this doubly made millionaire? Well, Andy Jack. Okay. According to the New York Times, quote, he quickly fell victim to scandals, lawsuits, and personal setbacks as he endured constant requests for money, leaving him unable to trust others. He was often quoted as saying he'd wish he'd torn up the ticket. Oh, man. But that's not all. This lottery-winning man, he had way more of a country song to get through. Now, (laughs) back to the New York Times. Did his dog leave him? (laughs) His wife left him, and in 2016, he lost a Virginia home to a fire. He struggled with drinking and gambling. His home and car were repeatedly burglarized. While he was at a strip club, thieves broke into his Lincoln Navigator and stole a briefcase (laughs) stuffed with $245,000 and $300,000 cashier's checks. There's a lot (laughs) going on in that last sentence. A lot of problems. But he got lucky with that last sentence. The briefcase was later found with the money still inside. So, what? Yeah, but that wasn't it. Uh, old Fortuna was not done with, with Jack Whitaker. <laughs> he planned to uh, leave all the money that he had left, which was still a lot to his granddaughter, but then she ended up passing away before he did. So he didn't it's, even oh, get what he wanted out of it. He told sad. ABC News if he had to do it over again, I, I would have torn that ticket up. Oh, that's sad. Right? I feel for him. Yeah. Now, you may be thinking, but Zaren, what if it's not some weird West Virginia millionaire who wins, and instead, what if it's like a rather normal couple who may or may not be from West Virginia? <laughs> Great question, Elizabeth. That's such a, I'm so proud of myself now, for asking that. <laughs> with a couple, there's the idea that they could balance each other, perhaps, right? Mm. Think, you know, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Now, enter Florida couple, Alex and oh, Rhoda Toth. You, you done did it. Uh, now I know. Okay. <laughs> they were not millionaires. In fact, when they had less than $30 between them, Alex ignored Rhoda's wishes and he played the lotto. Oh, see? Uh-uh. And then he won $13 million. Oh. Look at that, Rhoda. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hallelujah, right? And uh, they decided to do the reasonable thing. They would take the annual payments. They wanted to make sure they always had money. They, so the Toths would receive $666,666 for the next 20 okay, years. Okay, so that is the number of the double devil. <laughs> exactly. We know where this is going. They're double deviling down on the money. So what happens? Well, according to Rhoda, it caused us to lose a lot of friends, some family members. Now, this is 1997, okay? By the early 2000s, they were filing for bankruptcy. And then in 2006, the U.S. government came after them for tax fraud. That led to a precipitous decline for Alex Toth. He died at age 60, leaving Rhoda alone to face two years in federal prison for tax evasion like she's Al Capone. Oh, no. Yeah. You also, by the way, you know what I learned recently? Huh. Al Capone played the banjo. And not only that, he what? played as part of a weekly band at Alcatraz. When he was <laughs> locked up on the rock, he had a weekly it's gig. Like a Every band. Tuesday, he was like playing and he was a banjo player. Like, isn't that I've wild? I've never heard that. Yeah. And also, Alcatraz had like a weekly in-house jazz band. That that's, I've never right? heard that. How have we never heard that? Lock picking and grinning? Yeah. I mean, let alone that Al Capone's leading the gig on banjo, but whatever. That is wild. I got one more for you. Denise Rossi, this one's my favorite. It has a little of everything. It's short, okay? Yeah. Denise Rossi wins the lottery. She decides she's going to make moves. Namely, she divorces her husband of nearly 25 years. She keeps mum about winning any lottery. Meanwhile, she won $1.3 million in the California lottery. Not like a big Powerball, Mega Million, just a cool $1.3 million, but that's still life-changing yeah, money. sure. And this was 1996. Dang, yeah, it is. Now, obviously, if her husband... 
had known that she'd won the lottery, he could expect and legally argue for his cut of her winnings as her husband. Mm -hmm. But she didn't let him know. She divorced him. So that way she was able to file for divorce and successfully make her slide out the door with all 1.3 mil. Oh, man. Yes. Now, her husband, Thomas Rossi, he hears about his wife's good luck. It's a few years later, but he has hard proof because in his hot little hands is a letter asking her if she wants to convert her annual payments into a lump sum. It's one of those annuity bio companies. So what does old Tommy Rossi do? It's California. You know what he does, Elizabeth? He sues her. He takes her to court. We're the most litigious state in the union for a reason. Yeah, but did she win? When, when they were still married? Yeah. Okay, well then, yeah, you can't just get a quick... Did she get a quickie divorce and then claim the ticket? Uh, she, she claimed she won it while they were uh, legally wedded. Yeah, community property. Community property. And then she divorced without... Uh, disclosing her true okay. finances, mm-hmm. which is not legal or Sue lawful. Her. So in 1999, a judge ruled on the case, and the judge determined that Denise had violated State of California's asset disclosure laws for divorce proceedings, and as a punishment, she was to forfeit, not some, not half, <gasps> but all her cash. Oh, the judge is like a pimp discussing her winnings. <laughs> He's like, I want all this man's <laughs> cash. Anyway, but wait, the best detail I saved for last. In his court filing for his lawsuit, Tommy Rossi attempted to express how much he and his wife had shared, how close they were, Elizabeth. He testified the quote, we even shared the same electric toothbrush. Ew. I'm sorry, what? Sir, sir, we didn't need that no. detail. So anyway, in 2004, People Magazine caught up with old Tommy Rossi. He had since purchased a new toothbrush, and he asked, <laughs> they asked him how he was doing with all of his ex-wife's ill-gotten gains. <laughs> and he told the supermarket reg, if it wasn't for the lotto, Denise and I'd probably still be together. Things worked out for the best. Wow. Somehow that's like an extra cold diss. Like either way, Denise loses in this scenario. Yeah, right? So right? anyway, so I got some other stories for you about the lottery. The guys win lotteries. Other things happen to them, Elizabeth. Let's take a little break. Yes. I'll let you refresh and uh, we'll be back in a sec. Excellent. Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. As you know, the world can be a dangerous and unpredictable place. With every crime I've studied, I've learned one thing. Your best line of defense is your vigilance and preparation. You don't want to worry. You just want peace of mind. That's why I recommend Simply Safe Home Security. For every ridiculous robbery and theft we talk about, it's pretty obvious the crimes could be avoided with a solid security system. A good home security system keeps people prepared and aware. Simply Safe is that system. It was named Best Home Security Systems 2024 by U.S. News and World Report. And it doesn't just protect your home from crime, it also alerts you to fire, floods, and other emergencies. They offer sensors and cameras backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. There are no contracts, and there's a 60-day money-back guarantee. Get 20% off any new Simply Safe system when you sign up for Fast Protect Monitoring. Just visit simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. That's simplysafe.com/ridiculouscrime. There's no safe like Simply Safe. 
Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Elizabeth. Zarin. We're back. Hey, what's up? You ready for the story of William Bud Post? Born ready. You like how all these guys have nicknames? Right? He's always like, Jack, Jack Whitaker, Bud, Bud Post. Anyway, you, this one. I'm going to, you know, I know you wanted to be dizzy, but yeah. how about we call you Bud for a while? Just like test drive it. See test how drive it works. Bud. What's up, Bud? This is like my friend is trying to bring back A1. He's like, he's been asking me, he's like, he sends me text messages. Have you been using A1? I'm A1. like, what? No. Like, is, is like awesome? Like, yeah, like, you know, that's A1, man. Nah. <laughs> I don't know why. I can, I can tell He's you also right trying now. to bring back bitching. And I'm like, what is up with these things? Yeah, it's trying hard. I know. I'm telling you. Anyway, this one, it's curvy and it's dangerous when wet. So you ready? Buckle up. <laughs> yes. This bud. one, it starts in PA. It's a place called Erie, Pennsylvania. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, right by the lake, Lake Erie. You ever hear of it? I've heard of that. Yeah, big one, I guess. Mm-hmm. So a Erie, big Erie, PA was it's Bud great. Post <laughs> was Bud Post hometown, right by the the great old lake. Now it was uh, also like this uh, theater of abject suffering for him. This this <laughs> this childhood, his hometown. He started from an early age, right? His mother passed away when he's eight years old. His father, overcome with grief, realizing he can't raise his boy on his own, gives him up for an adoption oh. to an orphanage. Oof la la. He never gets adopted. So he graduates out of the orphanage. Now he's a legal adult. And they're like, go make a, a way with yourself, mm. right? Yeah. So he becomes a drifter. He, uh, he, Whenever he needed work, he'd do hard labor. He worked usually on oil pipelines in the oil country of Pennsylvania, which a lot of people forget about. That's yeah. like one of our first big oil booms right, in America. Right. You know, Standard Oil, John Rockefeller, all that, right? So he becomes a wrench turner. Also, he's a spray painter. He gets to work to some real fun chemicals, let me tell know, you, I'm right? Like, is... So he's drifting oh, along, man. right? He's working later on as a truck driver. Driver and a cook for the circus, you know, also oh my for God, travel- a circus <laughs> cook. <laughs> traveling poor guy. carnivals. Yeah. So one day after he's like become a car- Can we go back to Wrench Turner? Wrench Turner? Your job is just yeah. hitting the old ratchet. <laughs> exactly. I thought you'd like, I that. Did like that. He's a ratchet popper. <laughs> so keep in mind, Bud Post, as I told you, been a drifter, been a laborer, a, a ratchet popper. He yeah. never owned his own home. Yeah. But not only that, he never owned his own car. Oh, yeah. Boy. So then he wins the lottery. Good. Right? So what luck, he thinks. Yeah. Now, the year at this point is 1988. 
I would think this is a great moment for him, but I, you're talking about him. So I know it's not. <laughs> I know. I feel bad for old Bud Post. When he wins the ticket, he was already an older man, right? So he's getting on by the paltry sums that a disability check will give you. Mm-hmm. So he's living off disability checks. So the day he wins the lottery, in his bank account was $2.46. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So even the way. But it, I mean, honestly, who among us hasn't been there? Oh, completely. I, I'm like, you're still on the positive side. <laughs> right. I, I, there's no negative in front of that. Right. With, as you're building up more and more costs, you're like, oh, they're $35. When's, when's Netflix coming out? Oh, no. Anyway, so even the way he won his ticket was a little sad and strange. He'd pawned a ring for $40, right? Now he takes that $40, gives it to his landlady, who is also his occasional girlfriend. Mm. That's in quotes, his occasional girlfriend. Uh-huh. Now, if it says, in the his newspaper la- that your landlord- landlady is your part-time occasional girlfriend. Is his landlord with benefits? <laughs> yes, exactly. This is a euphemism for some bleak carnality. Oh like- God. Oh God. The whole the whole situation. So he paid her the 40 bucks from the pond ring and he she did as he requested. She took it and bought 40 lottery tickets. Yeah. So <laughs> well, I thought it was like here's for the rent. No, I think, I think he's hoping the lottery tickets will, will maybe spread a little okay. more on the rent. So in that massive 40. tickets, one of them hits. Bud Post wins $16.2 million. Wow. Ka-ching! Wow. So what does this cat do with this sudden windfall of good luck, Elizabeth? Do you think he went and got like a trust and a lawyer and all that? <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say no. No, yeah. So he's almost had nothing nice in life materially, right? He's now got a magic wand that can make... Nearly any wish come true. So what are his first wishes? Well, he takes the annual payments. He receives 26 annual payments of $497,953.47. Smash cut to two weeks after he's received his first annual check. He's already spent $300,000. Wait, now, I how can many hear- weeks? Two, two weeks. Let, yeah, two weeks. Now, oh God. I think I can guess what you're thinking. Like, well, what's Aaron? What did he buy with his $300,000 <laughs> in two weeks? Well, remember when I said his father gave him up for adoption at the orphanage? Uh-huh. Well, he wasn't an only child. His father gave up a bunch of his own children. Oh, you're kidding. He had siblings. So when his when he finally had something large to share, he broke some off for his siblings. Yeah. He's like, they went through it with me. So first for himself, he bought a, a liquor license. <laughs> oh. So that way he could sell booze. And then he bought a lease for his brother and sister for a restaurant in Florida. Oh yep. yeah, that's a that's a solid money maker. Always go to a restaurant. <laughs> they, a, they do really they well. Huge margins. Investment people tell you you want to get a restaurant. <laughs> so next up, he had another brother. He got that brother a used car lot. But okay. He also got him the fleet of cars because he had to buy them separately. He bought the car lot and he bought all the right, cars on yeah. top of the lot. So he gets the whole fleet. Now he's got a used car lot and a fleet of cars to go with it. Then he goes like, I should get something for Bud. Right. So he buys himself a twin engine plane. Good man. That's you know why I like it. That's one step away from a boat. Yeah, but he doesn't he have a pilot's bought, license. He should have bought a laundromat. <laughs> yes, that actually that's is a good one. You actually do make coin there. on that. Uh-huh. That's like what NFL players are and smart to. And you can to. wash it, too. Yes, and that's also what good criminals do. <laughs> so that's, that's what I learned from, is smart NFL players with money and criminals. <laughs> so I'm like, what are they putting their money? Anyway, now like me, he didn't have a pilot's license, but now he has a plane. So he's like... I'll take care of the license next. Like, now we got a reason to get the license. Did he, uh, did he know how to fly? No, no, not at all. But okay. that's just half of the equation. He's got the tough <laughs> half. He's got the plane, all right? So other parts like books and some tests, whatever. Anyway, six months of him spending money like this, right? He was officially and legally more than $500,000 in debt. So what does he do now? He's like, oh, well, Bud Post needs to make some new decisions. So he starts to learn that timeless adage that money can't buy happiness. Mm-hmm. Like, huh. Well, so he tries to get away from everyone and all the, their grubby hands asking for money, trying to get them to buy them things. So he went off by himself and he moved to Oil City, Pennsylvania. Oh. Yes. <laughs> he buys what I, 
what I, I guess you might call a mansion in Oil City, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. cost $395,000. In the starts, 80s, that's a lot of money. It's a very expensive house mm-hmm. in the 80s in Oil City, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So he starts oh, sure, to renovate his new home. The local press began to compare the lottery winner to Jed Clampett of the Beverly Hillbillies. Uh-huh. Right? So by this point, more than a year has passed. He's now collected two payments. His uh, occasional part-time girlfriend and former landlady steps back into the picture. Oh, I bet she does. Remember how she bought the tickets? Uh-huh. Well, she, she didn't. didn't think it was right that he was having all that fun, spending all that money without her. He didn't tip her. His occasional girlfriend. You kidding me? Leaving her out on the wayside? <laughs> so she sued him. Yeah. Uh-huh. There had to be some law she could invoke. She'd find it. She got herself a lawyer. <laughs> she found a lawyer who could supply the argument, and he went to court with and get her piece of his fortune, right? Her legal claim was basically that he promised to split the winnings, and he double-crossed on his promise. Okay. So Bud Post denies this. He goes to court. He says so. I didn't I didn't promise her anything. Takes three years of court proceedings. Legal fees just draining right. him, right? <laughs> After all that time, the judge presiding over the case, he ruled that his former landlady and occasional girlfriend was entitled to her cut of the winnings. Her cut, the judge ruled, can you guess? Uh, 25%. One third. Oh, a third? Yes. Now, because he'd taken the annual payments, he couldn't possibly pay that all off. He now owes her a third of $16 million, right? Right. So, 1992, when he was about to receive his annual payment, he refused to turn it over to the court in protest of the judge's ruling. This yeah. is now his, basically his fourth payment. Right. He was also financially, at this point, leveraged to the hilt. He's uh, He's got all the debt. He's still renovating his mansion. He's desperately in need of money. So, the judge freezes his assets. Now he has no money. He's like, oh, yeah, the judge is like, you can't you can't ignore my court order. Wait, so he bought a mansion that was a fixer-upper? No, no, he just wanted to change it because, of course, he's like, oh, oh he wanted more stuff. Yeah, he bought it off the market and then he's like now i need uh tile floors on the walls or whatever <laughs> right, right. so he, now at this point he has no money again once again he's totally broke the judge locked up his assets so what does he do now elizabeth oh god well he had to sell so he sells off nearly everything he'd purchased that he could resell for a large amount uh-huh. and at this point the elder bud post abandoned by his family and uh, sued by his former landlady and occasional girlfriend humbled by the fickle finger of fate he would spend his days from this is from uh, eyewitness accounts and visitors to the house so they said he would wander around his 16-room mansion in Oil City, Pennsylvania, with his false teeth removed, shoved in his pocket. It was like, I don't know, tattered robe, I imagine. And because of the new t- fake teeth he had, they gave him powerful headaches. And he would then mutter to himself like a mantra, I was much happier when I was broke. I was much happier when I was Aww. broke. So yeah, he wanted to be a bum again. He wanted to be back <laughs> on the poor bum. Guy. So fate wasn't done with old Bud Post. Not <laughs> by a long shot. Bud Post had plans of his own. So 1996, he tries to get rid of his wealth. He's like, I want to be a bum again. So he sells his mansion in Oil City that netted him sixty five thousand dollars. The house was three hundred ninety five thousand when he bought it. He sells oh, it for sixty five thousand. Leveraged, yeah. yeah, leveraged exactly. So he auctioned off the remaining seventeen lottery annuity payments he had left coming to him. He figured the profits from the auction that would cover his mounting debts and still would leave him something of a nest egg. Uh-huh. So the auction it worked out. The Bud Post told the Guardian newspaper, "Once I'm no longer a lottery winner, people will leave me alone. That's all I want, just peace of mind." He's like, "Let me be poor again." So now. <laughs> He says that the the what happens, Elizabeth? What do you think occurs for old Bud Post? I don't know. Well, the very next year, he turns his life into another one-man Price is Right showcase showdown. Right. I don't know why, but he starts buying everything he wants again. In one year's time, he spends $2.6 million, which what? is basically his whole nest egg. Yes. So, Wait, so he got he got millions for his... He ended up getting getting about $3 million out of his okay. annuity payments. And, and then he blew it And all. then he blew $2.6 of that, right? So he purchased, and I'll tell you, not one, but two houses, a truck, three cars, two Harley-Davidson motors, 
motorcycles, a luxury camper, a quarter million dollar sailboat that he kept docked in Biloxi, See? Mississippi. Dumb. Uh, always, as my grandfather used to say, a boat is a hole in the water you pour your money into. <laughs> exactly. He was going to become a charter yacht owner. That was his plan. He'd sail people around the Gulf and the Caribbean for small, tidy fortunes. That was that was the plan, right? And then in 1998, he was arrested on that boat, and he had to serve six to 24-month prison sentence for a six-year-old assault conviction. What? They'd finally caught up to him. And assault convictions there, and you're, you're, you yeah, may be and thinking, assault convictions that, that's there. shocking, right? Well, turns out he'd fired a shotgun at a bill collector, all Great Depression style. <laughs> the revenue. Yeah, back in the days yeah. when he was in Oil City, he fired a <laughs> shotgun over the guy's head, and that was enough for grounds for assault. So, <laughs> under Pennsylvania law, they eventually caught up to him. So, he appeals the conviction in Pennsylvania all the way up to the state's Supreme Court. Legal fees draining what little he has left to no avail. He has to report back to prison in Pennsylvania to serve out his 6 to 24 month prison sentence. After that, he gets released. He goes back to living on disability payments, having now lost everything and seemingly happy once again. My God! Yeah, so if it wasn't for bad luck. After he'd have five no luck years, at all. seriously, about five years after he first won the lottery, Bud Post said, "Quote: Everybody dreams of winning money, but nobody realizes the nightmares that come out of the woodwork or the problems." So it just goes to show you, Biggie Smalls was right. Mo money, <laughs> mo problems. Are you trying to convince me not to buy these tickets? I'm just saying is winning the lottery is not necessarily the dream that you would think it is. I'm in the 30%. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take a little break. And then after this, we will come back and I have the craziest one yet. Oh, boy. Hey, guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on Wasp. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. They burned us and subject us to really horrible, uh, cruel and unusual punishment. After my personal experience at Provo Canyon School, I was shocked to learn that a man named Robert Litchfield, a man who got his start at the school that I went to, would go on to create a multi-million dollar empire. He was trying to brand us. So we were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. The Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools. They prey on, you know, a parent's really natural and beautiful love for their children in a really, really, unfortunately, effective way. At this time in my life now, if someone presented this program to me, and not just because I've already experienced it, Sham, scam, beware. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Elizabeth. Zaren. You ready for some more lottery lunacy? Yes, yes. Okay, just when you thought you'd seen it all when it comes to non-murderous lottery crimes, because trust, there were a lot of the other kind. There were a lot of like... Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, but we don't do those stories here. Uh -uh, So uh -uh. that said, just know, going into this next story, it has everything, and including some heart-pounding action scenes and possibly a little gunplay. You ready? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I saved the best for last. This is the story of Tonda Dickerson. Mm Mm-hmm. She was a Waffle House waitress in Grand Bay, Alabama. God bless. Do you know where that is? No. Grand Bay, Alabama is in the Florabama section of the country. It's uh, a.k.a. the Redneck Riviera. Mm-hmm. It's right there on the I-10 where Alabama and the Florida meet. Right, right, right. Okay? And basically, before you get to Louisiana, the I-10 goes across and it goes underneath Mississippi and Alabama. Yeah. Uh, or sorry, uh, switch that. Alabama, Mississippi, if you want to go in order. Anyway, so that's where they we are is the Alabama section. So, okay. Time to meet our players. We have Tonda, the waitress. Uh, she had co-workers at the Waffle House. Uh, their names were Sandra Dino, Angie Tisdale, Matthew Adams, and Jackie Ferryand. Mm-hmm. Or Fairlyand. It's weird. Jackie. It's Just Jackie. Jackie. Okay. So they also had a longtime customer, Edward Seward. Yeah. So often Seward, he would travel east to Florida, Alabama line. He would cross over so he could buy tickets, lottery tickets from the Florida State Lottery. Then he'd return to Alabama and he'd give the tickets to the Waffle House employees as tips on his meal. Uh-huh. Right. So there was never an agreement in place if anyone ever won. But Seward was working under the idea, the assumption that if anybody did win, they'd buy him a new truck. Now, over the years, he'd given up plenty of tickets as tips. No, none of them had ever really yeah, hit Yeah, I mean, big. that's the thing. They're making like $2 an hour or something. Here's a tip. Yeah, oh, exactly. Come on, dude. Like, I wouldn't, you know me. I, you already know how I stand. I'm like, keep it, man. Just give me the, you know, the, the dollar that that costs. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, there was never an agreement in place, if, as I said, if anyone ever won. Until one day, March 6, 1990. There was a Powerball drawing that Saturday night. Seward did his usual stop in Florida to get some tickets. Then he hit up the Waffle House that night for, I don't know, the late night chicken and waffles. And he left an envelope with a lottery ticket for each employee that was working that night as his tip to all of them. And he wrote the name of each employee on their envelope, Uh right? Tonda received hers. She went home that night, didn't open it. She didn't check the winning lottery numbers till the next day when she discovered that she had all the winning numbers. She looked (laughs) at them. They were all there. She couldn't believe it. She was holding one of the two winning lottery tickets. 
payouts. Now, it said hers would be worth about $5 million. Now, to be exact, that's the one-time payout. It would have been $5,075,961.71. Mm-hmm. Or she could accept an annuity payment each year for 30 years, and that payment, those payments, rather, would then total $10,000. Okay. Didn't make sense that to me, but you sense. double your money. So anyway, th- these are the numbers Ten- they okay. reported. And th- I found these in the, the legal death position, so I know these are, had to be checked. But yeah. anyway, she'd won a life-changing amount of money. Sure. Not just for her, but for her whole family, Elizabeth, because like you, she's like, I'm going to spread the wealth. Tonda could not believe her good luck. When she first realized she'd won the lottery, she contacted her father. I imagine like how you would contact your mother, right? Probably, yeah. She contacts old Bobby Reese. That's her father's name. She asked her dad, can you confirm that these numbers are the winning numbers? Would you check? And he's like, yeah, sure, baby. And he checks and he confirmed she had indeed won. They immediately began to devise ways to share the money in the family. Because you have to understand, unlike some of the others we've covered, they did what you would do. They did the smart thing. They didn't immediately blow the money. Instead, they planned to create a family trust. Yes. Exactly your plan. The Dickerson family, they were a, quote, lottery family. That's their own words from their own, like, affidavits. Like, they constantly point out, like, no, we always planned to share. We had agreements. We'd buy tickets, and I'd have to give me tickets for my birthday, and I'd get them tickets to Christmas. So they they loved getting tickets, right? Yeah. Now, they long dreamed of this moment of them winning. The Dickersons finally did it, right? Now, now her dad, Bobby Reese, he would play his kids' birthdays as numbers. Now, obviously, because a stranger one, it wasn't the kids' birthdays, but mm-hmm. as they'd always told each other, and Tonda would later, as I said, testify in, in court, our family had always talked about if anyone had won any big amount of money in a lottery, that we would take care of each other or share in my the whole family. Mm-hmm. Now, you're, this is your plan, Elizabeth, to the T. Yeah. If you win, you plan to create the family trust, share it with them, and a few friends, correct? Right. Okay. Let's see how that plays out in real time. Uh-huh. <laughs> On Monday, March 8th, after determining that she had the winning numbers, her father, Bobby Reese, contacted the Florida State Lotto. Now, in fact, he contacted Luis Warren, who was the general counsel for the Florida State Lottery Commission, which is the smartest person mm-hmm. you can talk to, their lawyer. Right. So Ms. Warren informs Bobby Reese, don't sign that ticket, period. Don't don't sign the ticket. The reason, why would she say that? You won. Why would they not want to endorse the ticket? Well, if the family wanted to share the lottery prize, they would need to create a single legal entity, and then that would claim the prize. Mm-hmm. If she signed it, then she would be on the, on the, for herself, right? Right. So they listened to the general counsel. They did as instructed. Bobby Reese, he calls this dude Dwight Reed. A lawyer the family knew. Reed, he creates a documentation for an S-corp, as in an S-corporation. The corporation, what do they call it? Nine Mill Inc. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. So the it's already going downhill. <laughs> the family members were made shareholders, entitling them to each to a share in the winnings. So Tonda and her husband, James, they would jointly hold a 49% share, not a controlling interest. Nobody would have a controlling interest. Mm-hmm. Interesting choice. Cynthia Reese, Tonda's mother, she received 17%. John, her brother, and his wife, Lori Reese, they received jointly 17%. Tonda's sister, Jennifer Pierce, and her husband, Larry, they received jointly 17%. How do they come up with these percentages, Elizabeth? I don't know. They're kind of weird, right? Well, her father, Bobby Reese, had come up with the percentages. You know, the patriarch of the family. Okay. Old Potter Familius. He did it while Tonda and her husband were pricing new cars. As Bobby Reese testified, Tonda and I and, and Tonda's husband and my wife were discussing at the table and we were talking about it. And I'd figured out that I was making at the time $50,200, something like that, about 52000 a year at my company and by my income. And I took the $9 million in a percentage to get around that amount. And I said, that's what the kids should get. And if they couldn't live on that, I'm sorry. <laughs> 
So that's how he came up with 17%. (laughs) On March 12th, Tonda officially signed the winner claim a form addendum and did so on behalf of her new family corporation, Nine Mill Inc. So Tonda signed the paperwork at the lottery office and by doing so, she made the irreversible decision to receive her lottery winnings in 30 annual installments of $354,000 every year. Okay. First payment scheduled June 2000. Okay. Meanwhile, the incorporation agreement worked well for everyone. The family signed it. Paperwork, everybody's clean on it. March 18th, 1999, article of incorporations are filed. Then all hell broke loose. Oh, no. And her life was never again the same. You see, on March 12th, before the family incorporation paperwork was officially filed, the Dickerson family was informed, or the Dickerson-Reese family was informed by the Florida State Lottery Commission that there was a competing claim on their winning ticket. Oh, I I think, okay, I Uh, think I know. All right, can you guess? Is it the dude who gave her the ticket as a tip? A little less than two weeks after the lottery drawing, (laughs) all of her now former co-workers at the Waffle House filed a lawsuit suing Tonda, demanding that she share the $5 million prize. Her co-workers claimed that they all had a working agreement, that if any of them ever won, they they would all share in the good fortune. And Tonda, of course, disputed that claim. So the Florida Lottery, though, was willing to listen to her former co-workers' complaint, and her former co-workers even hired themselves a slimeball lawyer. Elizabeth. <laughs> I use sl- the term slimeball. I don't know this cat, but that's just based on what went down and what I read. So okay. anyway, his name was Stephen E. Clements, and he got to work to get paid. On March 11th, one day before Tonda signed her lottery payment agreement, one day, the lawyer Clement contacted the Florida Lottery General Counsel and uh, Louisa Warren and informed her that his clients disputed the winnings. Four days later, he faxed a letter to the general counsel, putting it in writing. We would request that no commitments concerning distribution or actual distribution of any funds be made to Ms. Dickerson or any person or firm on her behalf until such times as the issue of actual ownership of said ticket can be resolved between the parties. A bunch of legalese to say, don't you dare give her that yeah. money. Oh, now, the fax days, too. Yes, right? <laughs> <laughs> so the Florida State Lottery Commission was legally compelled not to pay out the winnings until court case was concluded. Now, those take a while. You got sure, legal fees. Sure. Anyway, meanwhile, how much were her former Waffle House co-workers demanding of her winnings? How much of the percentage do you think they wanted? I think they wanted to split 50. Split 50 between them. 80%. They wanted 80% Whoa. of her winnings. What? <laughs> wow. Everyone goes for the pimp amount. Right? <laughs> like everything. Like, I want all of it. Or I'll, I'll take 80, 80%. What is their reasoning? Well, the, the case went to court. There's, I guess it was there's four of them and one of her. So they're Whatever. split it five ways and they get four of them, the 20% each. I guess. That's my idea. Yeah. Anyway, meanwhile, case goes to court March 19th, 99. The case was brought before an Alabama judge from the circuit court of Mobile County. Now, the court immediately, quote, ordered that the parties refrain from any further efforts to collect or attempt to collect any funds from the state of Florida Department of Lottery. Now, when I was reading this, I was like, you're taking this to court in Alabama? You're going to lose, girl. Uh-huh. And sure enough, on April 30th, 1999, the Circuit Court of Mobile County ruled that the Waffle House co-workers had a legitimate claim and expectation to share the lottery winnings as part of an enforceable joint ownership agreement and were indeed entitled to 80% of the lottery winnings. Wow. Tonda was now... She owed her former co-workers a sum of $4,060,769.20. Oh, my God. And she's taking annuity payments, so right. how is she going to so manage how, that? Exactly. So the Florida State Lottery Commission did as instructed by the Circuit Court of Mobile County, and uh, rather than give anyone the winnings, the Florida Lottery paid $2.9 million into the Circuit Court of Mobile County's escrow account. So what do you do now? Your former co-workers have essentially legally stolen 80% of your lottery winnings that you plan to share with your family. Right. 
Now, if it were me, those co-workers, I'm just being honest here, they would have gotten a late-night visit from the kind of men you never want to meet. And they would have been like, look, these men would instruct my former co-workers that they could have the money or they could continue to have access to oxygen. They could have one or the other, their choice. <laughs> well, I think you don't have to get so violent Gangster about it? it? You have to get no, gangster honestly, about it. why wouldn't you just say that was one of the tickets that my dad bought? It wasn't the tip ticket. Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I, I would rather not lie in court. I'd rather threaten somebody <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> Personally, that's my rule. I don't lie to the FBI, but I will totally show up at your house at 3 a.m., stand over you in bed and go, do you really want to rethink your decisions? So Talanda, though, she isn't so gangster as all that. Now, Uh instead, what did she do, Elizabeth? She did something that you would do. She lied. She appealed the decision. (laughs) So what do you think had happened when she uh, appealed the decision? On May 26, 1999, her family corporation filed its notice of appeal with the Alabama Supreme Court. We're taking it to the Supreme Court. Right, right. Trial was not short. Alabama Supreme Court had better things to do. So finally, on February 18, 2000, the Alabama Supreme Court reversed the lower trial's court decision. Tonda won back her lottery winnings. So what did her former co-worker and their slimeball lawyer do now? To the... U.S. Supreme Court. <laughs> They're like, we can appeal too. So the lawyer Clements threatens he's going to take the case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. There it is. And if he had to. But first, you know, Alabama. So he had to appeal <laughs> through Alabama. He filed a new complaint with the Circuit Court of Mobile County. And in his new petition, he alleged that Tonda was in breach of her agreement with his clients. Clements insisted that Tonda had promised to share her winnings with her former co-workers. And thus, she was in breach. And he, the lawyer, was entitled to all the lottery winnings. 100% of it. Oh, he was. He was going to. Yeah, he <laughs> I don't know how that like, worked I'm out. I'm the only smart one here. I get 100% of it. Oh, so December of 2000, the Circuit Court of Mobile County responded to his new claim. They denied it. Okay, They're good. like, bro, come on. Go back yeah. to law school. But the slimeball lawyer, he's not done. He appealed that decision to the Alabama Supreme Court. And on September 20th, 2002, the court affirmed the lower court's decision. Bro, yeah, get sure. the hell out of my court. Tonda was determined to be the sole winner and owed her co-workers and their slimeball lawyer zero dollars. Excellent. Things were looking good for old Tonda and family, right? Uh-oh. Enter the IRS. They're like, now that that's all cleared up, we'd like to wet our boots. <laughs> so the IRS, they, uh, they, they claim that Tonda had failed to file a gift tax return for 1999 when she first won the lottery. They're like, you were so distracted with all these court cases, you forgot about us. Right. So the IRS alleged that Tonda had made a gift to her family worth $2.4 million due to her transfer of the lottery tickets to the family corp at 9 mil. Yeah. So now the IRS, they take her to court. And they're like, we'd like to drain you with some legal fees. So <laughs> at this point, she's spending so much of her winnings on legal fees, I feel so bad for her. Right. Anyway, the IRS case, it goes to court in 2010. And they won in 99? 2002 is when they approached her. Oh, okay. Eight years later. Eight so anyway, years. the court sided with Tonda and determined that the IRS, not her, had the burden of proof. In other words, she was innocent until proven guilty, and the court said that Tonda's counsel had failed to point this out in their legal briefs, but we will bring it up for you. And they said it didn't really matter because as the court ruled, and I quote, Regardless, we do not need to decide who bears the burden of proof because the parties have provided sufficient evidence for us to determine both that a gift occurred and the value of that gift. And that determination is unaffected by the burden of proof. They're like, it doesn't matter. We can see what we can see. Yeah, yeah. So the court further ruled that Tonda's co-workers, obviously, they had no legal expectation of any enforceable agreement. So the money was all hers because in Alabama, you can't make an agreement based on betting like this. You can't do like a little side bet, like enforceable action that's like an agreement. So they're like, it wasn't legal at the time to bet and gamble in Alabama. So like, how can we have any rules for you having a side action on a Florida state lottery? Uh Uh-uh. Right. So they said, quote, under established Alabama law, the Reese family agreement was a valid and enforceable agreement and Tonda's transfer of the lottery ticket to 9 mil Inc. was not a gift of the lottery ticket proceeds. They called it straight business. So, yeah. And then, but they did say, quote, we disagree with the idea that the 
that the Alabama court did disagree with one aspect of Alabama law. They said, quote, we disagree. We fail to see how a lottery ticket given to a petitioner by a customer at the Waffle House where she worked could metamorphose into a lottery ticket owned by a petitioner's entire family, which meant that despite the S-Corp, the winnings were still a gift that Tonda owed taxes on because it was hers. She could do with what she wanted, but it's still a gift even if she gives it to the S-Corp. Uh, From that point on, the family doesn't owe taxes on it, but she owes taxes yeah, on her part. Yeah. All told, she was on the hook for about a, a cool $1 million. Mm-hmm. But now Oh, the rest of the money was all hers and the family's. But I left out a really big aspect of this story, Elizabeth. Uh-oh. Back in 1999, when Tonda first won the lottery and word got out, her ex-husband learned that she'd won the lottery. Uh. And so he came to pay her a visit to see what was up with his cut of her winnings. Like, when exactly did you win this, right? Dude shows up in Floribama at the family spread. And when he sees Tonda alone, he springs into action. But you know what? Rather than me to tell you about this, Elizabeth, I'd like you to close your eyes. My eyes are closed. And I'd like you to picture it. You are in a six-acre spread in rural Alabama. The air is humid. Spanish moss hangs limply from the trees. The persistent whine of bugs throbs in the air. At the moment, you are a former Waffle House waitress named Tonda Dickerson. That's right. You are a lucky lottery winner, Elizabeth. Nice. And it's just weeks after you've discovered that you've won. Your former co-workers have yet to sue you for their cut of the winnings. It's still that fun period of time in the week or so just after your whole life has changed. You are alone, as I said, on the family spread. Your father is away with your mother. Your brother and sister are both with their respective partners. It's just you home alone. You are out front hosing down a john boat. The old green fishing boat sparkles in the sunlight where the water hits it. You're lost in the play of light and water for a moment, which is why you don't immediately notice your ex-husband's truck pull up, nor do you hear its engine shut off. You also don't see him climb out of the cab and slow walk towards you since your back is to him. You become aware of him when his hand wraps around you from behind. His hand flashes in front of your face for a moment, and then it seals tight against your mouth, preventing you from screaming. (gasps) Soon as his hand is around your mouth, you know who it is. You can smell him. That familiar motor oil and palm oil smell of your ex-husband, he drags you back to his truck backwards. Uh, At the uh, truck, uh, elbow to the gut. He shoves you against the front door. You finally see his face. It is indeed your ex-husband, Stacy Martin. He smiles his ugly sneering grin and says, You missed me, Tond? I sure missed you. I heard we done coming to some money. Now, you try to bite his hand. He lets go of your <laughs> mouth, and then he raises the gun that's in his other hand. Get, oh, no. Get in, he says. He indicates the driver's side door of the truck, opens the door. You hesitate. You say, Stacy, you ain't my husband no more. I don't owe you. Get in, Tonda. Don't make me shoot you. Now, you climb into the driver's seat. He walks around, gets in the passenger side, tells you to drive. You turn the truck on. Your mind races as the engine rumbles. You're trying to think of a way to escape your ex. Your ex-husband instructs you to drive onto the back roads. As you drive, he tells you how... I read all about the lottery winners and had to come see you. I got all these great ideas. And he's telling you about how he wants to open a bait shop by the old boat launch. (laughs) Eventually, the truck reaches a wooded area. Tires crushed, gravel, and acorns. You can tell you're still in Alabama, but it's remote. There's no one around. No one would hear you if you scream for help. Your ex tells you not to get any bright ideas because if anything were to happen to you out here, he'd inherit a lot of money. You want to argue, but you also don't want to set him off. So you look around for something to hit him with, maybe somewhere to run. Maybe you can swim for it. You, maybe you could scratch his face with the truck keys. You're just desperate for thinking. But before you decide what to do, his phone rings. He reaches into his pocket to pull out his phone, and that's the mistake you were waiting for. You grab for his gun while he's distracted. He's slow to react. Your hand rips the gun from his grip. You whip it around, slide a finger around the trigger guard, and aim his gun right back at him. It's my lottery money, Stacy. You understand me? <laughs> now, Tonda, don't be stupid. Get out. Look, don't make me shoot you. 
Now, you wouldn't shoot old Stacy, he says. <laughs> a sneer spreads across his face. You recoil in your mind at that smile, and then you, you see him make his move. He grabs for his gun. There's a struggle. The gun goes off. Your ex-husband slumps back against the passenger side door. He says with utter shock, You shot me, Tonda? How could you shoot me? A blood stain spreads across his old stained T-shirt. The bullet did indeed tear into his chest. You hit him. Oh, no. But the gun is just a twenty-two, so it's done really no damage. <laughs> He's not dying. He just thinks he is. Your ex begs you take him to the ER. You're not hard-hearted, so you take him to the ER. And of course, as I said, he survives. As you now likely guessed, there was no trouble for her, for Tonda, for shooting him since he showed up with the gun. But there was also, as I pointed out, you know, no murder as our 1% rule. Right. But there was, very strangely, no criminal charges ever filed for this. No self-defense. No, for against the husband. Oh, none against none him? None against Stacey Martin. I looked up the story. No criminal charges were filed I mean, for Tonda. I'm like, rock and roll. Kidnapping. None for Stacey, yes. St- kidnapping at gunpoint. Yeah, I mean, anytime you use a gun to make someone go somewhere yeah. else... If he would have crossed state lines, FBI would have had his junk. But Mm -hmm. instead, Alabama was like... When he was saying drive, you just gun it and then slam on the brakes and send him into the dashboard. Because I'm going to guess that she's wearing a seatbelt and he's not. Good call. Mm -hmm. I like that. That's why you always wear a seatbelt. I got to work on that. And Alabama was like, you know what? Sounds like the gun got you justice. You're fine, Tonda. And then, Stacey, you learned your lesson. (laughs) I think that's basically what happened in court. Anyway, so there you go. That's the full story of how Tonda Dickerson won the lottery and her life went to crap. Amazing. But in the end, as I said, she and her fam did get to keep the lion's share of the lottery winnings. And, uh, these days, if you're wondering, Tonda's still around, and she has rejoined the workforce. As recently as 2021, she worked as a car dealer at the Golden Nugget Casino in Biloxi, Mississippi. Nice. Yes. Good for her. So what's our ridiculous takeaway, Elizabeth? Uh, always wear your seatbelt. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm probably going to stop buying lotto tickets. You scared me. Did I? Yeah, Did I, I do it? So. What's my ridiculous takeaway? Thank you for asking. I don't know. Uh, mine is, you're, you're going to listen to me? That's ridiculous. <laughs> Well, thank you for listening. As always, you can find us online at Ridiculous Crime, uh, wherever we are on the social media. Somewhere. Don't worry we, about we it. have a website there, RidiculousCrime.com. That's mm-hmm. a good one. There's we love, shirts. We love your talkbacks. Hit us up there on the iHeart app. Uh, email us if you want, RidiculousCrime at gmail.com. As always, we dig it, baby. Ridiculous Crime is hosted by Elizabeth Dutton and Zaren Burnett. Produced and edited by head of the Rhode Island Lottery Commission, Dave Kustin. Researches by Marissa, I might have shot him twice, Brown, and Andrea, Tonda did nothing wrong, song sharpened here. Our theme song is by Thomas, my lucky number is 12. Lee and Travis, I just like the scratch-offs, Dutton. The host wardrobe provided by Botany 500. Executive producers are Ben, is that a winning lottery ticket in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? Bolin and Noel, it's a lottery ticket. Brown. Ridiculous Crime. Say it one more time. Ridiculous Crime. Ridiculous Crime is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place 
for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey guys, this is Paris Hilton. Trapped in Treatment is back, and this season we're taking on WASP, the worldwide association of specialty programs and schools. They held us in dog cages. They starved us. They beat us. Was trying to brand us. We were going to become the McDonald's in treatment. Join my host as they unravel the story of the largest and most shocking organization in the history of the troubled teen industry. Listen to season two of Trapped in Treatment on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 